Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge, I'm Mark Barber. I'm Ben Stoddard. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. Welcome! I, I gotta really make sure when we're doing the narrative workshop episodes that I, I, I do the Mark Zielinski welcome. Yeah, you know, to make sure uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, progenitor, the founder of the narrative workshop, couldn't be here today, but is here in spirit. So as you guys hear, I'm really excited to be joined today by two really great Mantic authors. We have Ben Stoddard. How's it going, Ben? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And uh, fresh from the now I know western part of the UK, uh, Mr. Mark Barber. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, all good down here. So we haven't done a narrative workshop in a little while, and we're really excited. Uh, we got a supercharged double episode coming out uh, for you guys. We're going to be talking with uh, Mark Barber in this first part of the episode about uh, the works that he has planned, continuing on the Steps to Deliverance story. And then later in the episode, we're going to be joined by Brendan from Winged Hussar, and we'll be taking a look at what's coming down the pipeline uh, and taking a little bit more, uh, uh, bigger look at sort of uh, what's being planned by Winged Hussar for all things Mantic coming up. So it's going to be super excited. So lock yourself in. We got a bunch of great Panathorn narrative content coming out for you guys in this episode. So, but first, uh, we haven't had you on uh, in a while, uh, Ben, uh, and I don't think I've seen you in a little bit. What is on your hobby agenda right now? I, I know we got Refugees of the Old World coming soon, right? That's right. We got that coming up in October, October uh, 21st, 22nd. Um, I've sent you pictures of the trophies that I've been working on for those. That's that's consumed the majority of my um my hobby time however i think i'm right there with everybody else uh looking for their new squeeze after masters it seems like everybody wants to shuffle armies after they've been playing for an entire season to see what's new and fresh or see if they're going to stick with the old flame the postmasters uh hobby juju is always interesting because it's either do i double down on what i've been doing or is, am i ready to start something new yeah if you haven't seen ben paints all his own trophies for refugees and i was lucky enough to take one home last year and it's right in front of my paint desk and they are just amazing uh and they're my favorite kind of trophies like i don't know what you think ben but i'm very much of the i don't care about winning models or miniatures or whatever for me at a tournament it's all about cool swag yeah absolutely that's what refugees, I was converted to that a couple of years back because, yeah, once you get to a certain point in the hobby that you're winning tournaments, really, you don't need models so much because you're getting a little bit more selective about that anyway. And so having the cool things to, to put on the mantelpiece, I think, is is more exciting than another army box. Yeah, and we had a really awesome time last year at Refugees. It really is a great tournament. You guys hold it at a great game store. Uh, Rexburg is is uh, very interesting. Those kids know how to party Saturday night at the disco juice juice shop. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a very fun environment. It's, it's very interesting. They have frozen yogurt too. I'm just saying, it's, frozen it's yogurt. Crazy. Uh, 
Yeah, I just remember because it's like a very, you know, uh, all like the mild-mannered, good, wholesome youth. And we were driving by last year and it was like, man, that's a hopping nightclub. But it was like a frozen yogurt bar with like a live <laughs> DJ. And I was like, that's how the, the the Mormons kick it, man. They know how to partay. That's right. But yeah, so uh, let's for our for our people who want to know the details, because I know a bunch of the Reno guys are, are thinking about uh, returning to refugees. I'm still not sure I'm going to try to make it this year, but I don't know with work's pretty crazy right now. But what are the uh, uh, can you give us the the dates? How do people find out more info if someone's interested and wants to go to refugees? Yeah, absolutely. So the dates are October 21st, 22nd. So it's a Friday, Saturday, which is a bit different for tournaments, but it's partially because of our venue, partially because of our community in this area. So Friday, Friday night, Saturday morning, and then you've got Sunday to travel home, Thursday to travel up here. Getting here is a bit tricky, but contact me, message me, email me, uh, or anything like that, and I can help help you figure all that out. If you want to know more about the tournament, go to www.refugeesoftheoldworld.com, and you put an extra E after uh, old and world, so O-L-D-E-W-O-R-L-D-E. So refugeesoftheoldworld.com that has all the updates that I post about, like the trophies, about the venue, about special events, achievements, the player packets on there. Um, And it also lists my email under the registration tab. That's how you can get in touch with me to get your registration paid, to get everything taken care of. And also I can tell you about what best hotels to take, the airport that you want to fly into, or if you want to figure out some people that might be coming, if you want to fly into a different uh, airport or something along those lines and drive with somebody that might be a possibility i don't know i can i can help you figure out the puzzle piece that is getting to rexburg idaho because i do understand that we're in the um well literally in the middle of a bunch of potato fields so it's kind of hard to get to sometimes uh, very much the middle of nowhere we made the trek from reno um last year and it was it was driving through a lot of empty country but will will there true. be axe throwing okay. again is the, is the is the question that everyone wants to know well, we can definitely do axe throwing. I was also thinking of uh, doing like an Armada mini tournament on the morning that day of or something like that oh, cool. if people are interested cool. in. Or even I've got my smokers so I could set up some uh, smoked barbecue. Uh, right now I'm actually smoking some ribs for some gaming stuff tonight. So I'm nice. really big into that as well. Yeah, and like I said, if, if you're at all interested in that neck of the woods, you should go. It, it pulls in players from the Pacific Northwest, from the West. Uh, from the Midwest, from mountain region, you know, so it's, it is a really great, uh, and last year we had a really nice mixture of, of new local players, but we had a lot of big hitters come in from out of town. So it was a super fun event. Lots of baby what, what, seals so, for those of you looking. To oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what were, what are you thinking <laughs> army wise? If you do start a new army this next year, is there anything that's like kind of floating at the, the top of the surface that you're looking at? So yeah, right now I've been, so I, I did my abyssal army about, well, right around 2020, I was hoping to take it to Adepticon before, you know, the end of the world happened. And I built up this army, but I could never get it to work. Like I built it, I painted it, and I think I, I played like, I lost 15 games in a row with them. I just could not figure out the magic combination with them. So I kind of put them on a shelf and shifted over to my Night Stalkers, and that's what I've been playing for about the past two years. And I had moderate success with them, but now I'm I'm wanting to go back because I really enjoyed the project. It was a lot of fun had a cool theme to it and I've been trying some different builds with it and I'm finding something that's starting to click and hoping that it'll work. So I'm hoping Abyssals gets the, uh, gets the flower for me, gets the rose. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They'll get the rose and and be asked to stay at the mansion. 
you know? Okay. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, what about you, Mark? What have you been up to in your sort of free time lately? Uh, hobby wise with the free time. Um, I've been a, a late convert to Star Wars Legion. Uh, my son and me were kind of huge Star Wars fans. And, you know, to, to, to get into Star Wars Legion and entry level, I've had to sell my house. Uh, but, you know, that's that, that, that's okay. Uh, but fantastic game. Uh, so I've been really loving that. that. That's been kind of itching the sci-fi fantasy uh, bug side of things. Um, we, we do a lot of historic games over here as well. So went through a big victory at sea uh, phase, which is Warlord Games, kind of World War II naval thing, which again is, is, is kind of typical of Warlord. It's it's like arcade mode um, history. It, it's, uh, it's really fast, furious, and, and, and pretty simple and easy to get into. Uh, and at the moment, going through a big Black Seas phase, which I don't know if you know, it's, um, it's the game Kings of War Armada is kind of based on. So it's the Napoleonic historical version of that. So yeah, that's been the main stuff hobby-wise at the moment, painting lots and lots and lots of tiny little ships. Very cool. I've always been like a huge uh, naval game guy. And I've always, I never uh, played Victory at Sea, but I th- the models are really cool. I've always liked them um, from like a miniature standpoint. Warlord Games has a lot of uh, a really really great stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think they again they they hit it out of the park with Victory at Sea. It's um it just really kind of combines every part of naval combat. I mean, you've got the surface stuff, you've got carriers, aviation, and you've, you've got submarines, all that sort of stuff, and it it kind of puts it together in a pretty neat package. I think there's some games out there which are hugely complex and can slow stuff right down but victory at sea uh and black seas they're both both slick uh and both fast and they're both pretty good for for people as a kind of entry game into war gaming for people who may be you know taking steps into the hobby they're both good entry games as well i like your sort of idea of the the arcade idea you know maybe being a little bit more flashy a little bit more streamlined i know some people love the sort of crunchiness or minutiae of historical wargaming but i think there is a space in the hobby for people who do want to play historicals but don't need to like read through 50 pages of old rules printed in black and white to find you know what i mean that there is a space in the, in, in the gaming world for a little bit more light lighter weight historical gaming yeah i mean i i um uh, I guess I kind of cut my teeth in the industry with Warlord Games writing rules for bolt action. And uh, that's their flagship product. And the way, you know, the uh, the bosses at Warlord described it to me is they said it, it isn't a historical war game. It's a war movie war game. So um, it's trying to emulate the old 60s and 70s blockbuster Hollywood war movies. It's not trying to emulate the actual history. So it yeah. is a lot flashier, a lot more explosions and, and that sort of stuff. And I think that you could kind of say the same for that whole uh, back catalogue of historical games, really. That's that's kind of the design philosophy. It certainly feels that way with Victory Sea and, and Black Seas. It's, um, I mean, Black Seas has even got rules for kind of, you know, ghost ships and the Kraken and Leviathons and stuff like that. So it's, um, it, it is really kind of going out there into, into different areas. It's not, none of these are serious war games. They're all very much... Just fast, quick, easy beer and pretzel war games, which uh, which is very much kind of my my level, I think. Now, what I've seen with uh, Legion is they've 
it, are they moving now more towards like uh, one of the critiques I heard before was, oh, I have an ar- Imperial army, right? But I have my one unit of Endor guys. I have my one unit of snow guys. And it didn't really quite feel like you were playing a, a, a actual faction, but aren't they doing now where you can make like, if I just want just a snow trooper army or just this, you, they have rules around building uh, forces like that now. I know this summer there was a lot of releases, a whole load okay. of stuff came out to, to time with stuff like uh, the Mandalorian things like that, uh, and with the Boba Fett series. So they brought out loads of stuff. The, the um, Ewoks and stuff are coming. If they're not out already, they're coming out pretty soon. Um, but you know, the, the Rebel Alliance army I've got, you kind of you get stuff like Rebel Commandos, and you get what what would be the sort of snow troopers, but it's all down to how you paint them, really. So whilst the, um, you know, they're there with their visors and uh, and face masks and stuff for the snow, you just kind of paint them in desert colours to fit your army or jungle colours or whatever. So I don't know with the new releases if they've done it to make it more kind of theatre specific, but certainly the core sets, not really. So it, you, it you still feel like you have like your army is themed as one army when you're playing it? Yeah, but... Um, the actual units that you buy, they're not really. So you can kind of get, for example, for air cover wise, the snow speeder. But it's not called mm-hmm. a snow speeder; it's just called an air speeder. Um, and uh, you know, it just depends if you put it on a, a desert base or a. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so yeah, they've certainly got them all, and there are ones where you kind of look at them and go, okay, these are the Empire Strikes Back uh, guys who are defending Echo Base at Hoth, but they're just called Rebel veterans. So if you want to use rebel veterans, they're wearing snow gear. You've just got to be creative in how you paint them, really. I do like uh, Legion. I thought it was kind of interesting because in many ways, I always felt like it was a sci-fi historical game, right? Because you're still kind of reenacting images or, or senses, like scenes from from the movies. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. It's um, the, the the way the scenarios are set up is quite interesting as well, and that there's. Uh, it's all card-based. So instead of saying, okay, I'll play scenario five from the main rule book or whatever it is, you kind of, uh, there's there's three different sets of, okay, what's the setup, what's the objective, and then what's the wild card? Um, and you shuffle them all up, put them down, and then take it in turns to eliminate one until you end up with a, a kind of half-random, half-chosen set of three, which will uh, generate the kind of game you're going to play. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's quite a novel way of uh, of setting it up. But it's uh, again, it's, it's definitely a good game. It's one of those things that once you get your head round the, uh, the the standard uh, FF, you know, marked up dice um, and work out what all the symbols mean, it, it becomes a very very fast and simple game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Crisis Marvel Crisis Protocol, which is another game I'm sort of interested in. They have a similar thing where it's like they have a crisis. You know, you pick like a you, there's a you and your opponent through cards are picking sort of three elements of the mission, you know, and then that's what you end up playing as opposed to rolling in a book and we're going to, you know, we're playing mission seven, whatever. It's it's the, the you have kind of cards helping guide you to what your mission is. Yeah. Have you had a chance to check out Firefight at all yet? Mantic, the update to Mantic sci-fi game? No, I've, um, I've kind of 
sort of followed it online a bit and seen stuff that's coming out, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. No, have either of you guys played it? Yeah, it's very cool. I like it in that it's taking some of the elements that I've never played Legion, but I've watched some battle reports, but it has uh, an alternating activation system, right? Where I don't go with my whole army. We're going back and forth. Is that how Legion plays? It's, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the activation system on it is, quite similar to bolt action in a way is it's sort of randomized so it's not an i go you go it tends to be a unit by unit thing but yeah and that's that's how firefight is firefight is you take turns activating units and and you can use a command point if you want to activate an additional unit but in any given time in the game you can only move with two of your units before your opponent goes which i really love i love that dynamic in sci-fi games like it's one of the reasons I sort of went away from 40K. It's just I don't like your whole opponent, especially in shooting sci-fi games, to have to move their whole army and shoot you, and then you have to go. And then So I really like that back-and-forth unit-wise. It just feels like a more interesting, balanced game, and that is an element that's in the new Firefight rules. Yeah, it certainly looks it. Um, the, the miniatures look great. Oh, they're amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um... But yeah, I totally agree on that. The the whole kind of forty yeah, k is, is obviously it's like the industry standard, and everyone knows it, and most people love it. And, but uh, it, it does feel like every turn is an alpha strike. Uh, all, all you do is uh, there's I guess there's less subtlety to it. It is just absolutely smashing the other guy in the face, and then reeling when he smashes you in the face, and so on and so forth. Um, whereas as, as you said, if you're activating a unit at a time or uh, as, as Legion works, depending on who your, your leaders are, you, you can kind of activate maybe two or three tops. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of it's just got a better flow to it. You feel like you're more involved. At all yeah, time. when you look at like the, the table. Yeah, when you look at the table, like when I see a deployment for 40k, people are deploying their army in these weird conga line, like crazy weird stuff, so that they're trying to make sure on the first turn you can't shoot them off the board. And it just turns out to be these really weird deployments, whereas I like the games that have alternating activation. They seem to be able to deploy in more kind of like a normal visual looking way. Yeah, so we've been enjoying that. We've been we've been messing around with Firefight. And that's that's sort of uh, essentially what I'm working on post Masters is still trying to finish the Twilight Kin. I want to work on my Asterians, which are essentially like the 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 firefight version of uh super advanced space elves and then i still am going to be doing mantix uh eod uh and i think that's going to be a contrast paint project because i've been messing around painting some models for dungeon saga some skeletons and i've sort of found like a a nice easy recipe to paint skeletons that looks still looks pretty good and that's what i want my eod list to be like a heavy skeleton list but I've sort of been taking a break from Masters. I've taken been taking a couple weeks off and just been um, busy with work and just I had, I was painting so much prior to Masters that I just wanted to take a little a little bit of time and let the creative juices sort of re refill and to kind of just clear my mind. And it's looking like probably this weekend's going to be my first weekend back, really getting some painting done. But I think it's good every now and then just to take a little break, let let the let the imagination sort of. Uh, uh, re- reboot basically burnout's a real thing and if you're not careful with it 
it, it can it can push you straight out of the hobby if you're not careful. So that that's always a good. I mean, palate cleansers or just straight up breaks are important to it. And I think a lot of the time people feel guilty if they're not doing something towards an army project or something along those lines. But rest is an important part of it. Kind of exactly. It's just like let your body. It's the same thing with like exercising or whatever. You got to have rest periods. You know where you got to let let your mind yeah. rest a little bit. So, but I've been like mentally thinking about, we have the Bay of Kings coming up in September. That is a 19, that. yeah, that is a 1995 point army. So I think I will be uh, bringing back the base aliens. Uh, you're welcome, Mr. Greenlee. Uh, as, because I, I think uh, uh, Basilea works really well. At, or my version works. It's, it's like what I had when I took the refugees. Uh, because we were playing yeah. at that lower points level. I think at uh, like Alpha Strike, Fast, Bass Lane works really well at that 1900 point. And then that way I'm not stressing about trying to finish Twilight Kin or whatever. I can just go to a tournament with an army that's painted that uh, maybe not to my utmost, like my brand new quality stuff, but it's still solid, you know, still a good mm -hmm. painted army. Um, so that's, that's what I'm thinking I'm going to take. Uh, and it's going to be really cool. Um, it's being held. Bay of Kings is being held at uh, the clubhouse of a yacht harbor. So right outside are all the boats docked at the harbor, and it's right near the beach. And it's going to be like a really cool, very California tournament. So I know we're going to miss you there, Ben. Yeah, I'm going to try and make it next year, but that's like three weeks into our first trimester, and I'm just starting at a new school. So I was like, ah, that's probably not going to be possible. But totally I'm try for next year. Okay, well, well, we'll look forward to, to having you whenever you can make it. Uh, the, basically, that's we have two big tournaments here in California. We have the Bay of Kings, which is returning, and then we have the Riddle of Steel, which is our Conan themed tournament. That I know that. people are, yeah, people are excited for that coming coming the beginning of next year. So, I know I went to Bay of Kings when it was still up uh, in uh, oh, where was Santa it? Clara. Was in yeah clara and it was a blast i mean i love the store there but this venue sounds like it's pretty phenomenal honestly so yeah and britain britain is like a logistical guy by trade he yeah. uh so he knows how to plan things so if you go to a britain yeah. williams tournament you're gonna go to one that is like well run organized and we really respect that people have to travel when they come to tournaments in California. So we make sure people have rides and there's food planned and we really try to take care of people when they come here. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Mark about some upcoming novels he has coming out. So we'll be right back. Hey, this is Ash Barker from GMG and you are listening to Countercharge. I'm Ronnie from Mantic Games and you're listening to Countercharge. And we are back. So, Mark, just first off the bat, I just want to say I was a big fan of Steps to Deliverance. I really liked it. I listened to, to it on audiobook. And uh, I hadn't had a chance to check out Pius yet. But I'm curious. I know that you have um, a couple of books coming out to, to sort of take on the Steps to Deliverance st storyline. I think uh, Faith Aligned and Hero Falling, I believe. Can you talk a little bit about what what sort of went into your logistical thinking that you you know instead of just doing just the one book that you wanted to release sort of two books in this series kind of coming out around the same time? It's so the pandemic drove it in a really weird way. What what, what happened was um, I, I I wrote Steps to Deliverance and it was never supposed to be uh, the first book um, for uh, 
uh, for, for Kings of War. It's just the way it happened. Things changed, and you know they, they always are in the industry. And, and all of a sudden, you kind of get an email one day saying, you know, the uh, the, the batting orders changed. You're opening now, and it's like, wow, geez, th- th- this is uh, this is this is pretty nerve wracking. But I, I wrote it. Um, I, I love Star Wars. I really do, and I love the way that uh, A New Hope was done as a standalone movie. But it ends with. If this does okay, here's a whole load of open threads that I could carry on. Uh, and I shamelessly ripped off that idea with Steps to Deliverance. It was written as a standalone book, but with a few open threads, whereby if it did okay, I could carry on. And um, I think, you know, for, for, for me and for Wing to Sell, we were, we were kind of really pleasantly surprised with uh, the feedback, the sales figures, stuff like that. It, it did better than, than we all thought it would. So I, I went pretty quickly into um, a follow-up. I wouldn't call it a sequel because it only took one character uh, and carried on with that one character's journey. And then I got the call coming through saying um, a uh, Kings of War Boaty game is coming out. Can you write that? So I, so I hit pause and I, I'd written about half of this follow-up and then everything went into pious. So I did that, went back to this other one, uh, which was Faith Aligned. Um, and then finished it and handed it in, and then the pandemic hit, and the whole industry was just torn up. Uh, and you know that, that's that's not a complaint. Obviously, with the pandemic hitting, way way worse things happened to people. So so uh, you know it's like a, this was real small fry compared to what was going on in the world. But um, you know we're here in um, summer of 2022, and I finished Faith Aligned in 2019. So it has been sat there for a, for a long time just because of mainly the pandemic uh, and, and what it's done to the industry, but also just priorities for Wing SR. Other things have over, in the same way Steps to Deliverance got shoved to the front of the queue, other things have happened and Faith Aligned got pushed back. Uh, it's just the way it goes. Um, so that was written. That was waiting on the sidelines. And I had this idea for another book, uh, which was Hero Falling. And it runs on exactly the same timeline as Faith Aligned. Um, one is happening. How are you going to pronounce Basileia today? I'll go, I'll, I'll go with that for now. I might change my mind in a few, a few minutes. I'll go with Basileia for now. Um, so one of them is happening on the east coast of Basileia. One is happening on the, on, on the western border. And both stories are happening concurrently. And both stories have little crossovers where one character is referenced in one and then appears in the other and vice versa. The epilogues of both stories is exactly the same fight, but written from the point of view of two different characters who appear in both the stories. So, so, so the, the, they're linked. So by the time I'd finished writing it, I said to Brandon, because um, things have been messed up so much uh, with the scheduling, and because these two novels happen at exactly the same time, why don't we release them on the same day? And um, that, that's kind of what we're going with at the moment. I mean, things could still change. You know, both of them are complete. The edit's finished. Uh, and, and they're kind of sat there waiting for just a few final bits and bobs to be done. Plan at the moment is to release them on the same day. So that's really interesting how, you know, like you said, the pandemic caused all these issues, you know, but it's interesting how trying to find what silver linings we can, it did give you this opportunity to release these two books in a way that probably without the pandemic, they never would have been released together, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have just been his book two, his book three. Yes, 
because that's the thing is that they're kind of neither of them are book two or book three because that they they both follow on immediately from steps to deliverance or at least I, I don't know there's a six week gap I think yeah because steps to deliverance was very character based uh, well all of them are they, they they all are and that's kind of one of the things that when I was doing a bit of creative writing stuff at university and one of the things they say is you know when you're putting a story together you you can't shove everything in it becomes bloated. And you've got to think, as an author, um, what's driving your story? Are you plot-based? Are you character-based? Are you theme-based? And for me, it's always been about characters. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of thinking which characters do I think, uh, to me, are interesting enough to follow their journey and to develop them and to look further into their backstory and their past. So one of the Steps to Deliverance characters makes it, it, it is, the, is one of the main characters in faith aligned and two others are in hero falling is there one like if you were to tell someone if someone asked you hey mark which one should i read first is it totally up to the reader is there one that you think that you would recommend that someone read before the other one or are they totally interchangeable with with which yeah. one you should tackle first totally interchangeable um but th they've got completely different aims and and feels to them steps to deliverance was supposed to be a kings of war story there's, there's a you know a smattering of set piece battles in it. Whereas I'd say it's oversimplifying a bit, but I'd say Faith Aligned is a vanguard story, and Hero Falling is a dungeon saga story. So, so when you yeah. say vanguard, it's more like a small group of adventurers yeah. fighting smaller battles, basically. In yeah, Faith Aligned. yeah. The, the 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 sort of central plot of Hero Falling is about a. Um, order of the brother mark relic uh which has been kept down in sparta and the relationship between the the, the basileans and, and the order of the brother mark is starting to sour and so they know they've got this sacred relic which was kind of when the agreement first happened uh was presented to uh to, to basilea and they think well symbolically let's give it back so they send a small band up uh, uh up north to the order of the brother mark carrying this uh famous knight's uh helm uh and it's about the bad guys various bad guys finding out about this plot and going well if we if we steal it then um th then we can drive more of a wedge in between the basileans and the order of the brother mark so, now is so this does this take place before the the flood that came um, in and oh no this is all after it after yeah it. okay yeah yeah this all takes place after it okay um so um so, so yeah, in terms of the chronology, the timeline is, is, is relatively recent. It's relatively modern. And that's Got something it. that um, Brandon's been working really hard on is getting this timeline sorted. So instead of just here's a book, uh, from this point on, you'll get here's a book and then it will have a, uh, a timeline in the front to say where it ties into all the other novels. And also there's going to be maps produced as well so that uh, it, it'll be kind of uh, here, here's the map from the, uh, the rule book which, uh, you know, Kieran Morris did all these maps and it's going to have extra towns and villages and things like that put on it so that you can kind of oh, put it more cool. as to where, where everything's happening. Now, Ben, you've, you've mentioned that before, and I think that's something that, that you're kind of working on the side, right, for Winged Hazar, which is uh, trying to, to maybe not necessarily have, like, uh, the, the amazing, like, or, or a huge sort of Bible, for lack of a better word, of where everything fits. But is there this sort of de a desire to start thinking about an overarching chronology or trying to think about where these books fit in, 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 
as a far as to like which should you read first or trying to think about the storytelling in like a wider a wider um umbrella absolutely uh, brandon's definitely been working on in fact at the beginning of uh seal warner's book that's out the um the celestian ones the name's escaping me rise of the celestians i believe is rise it of the celestians. that's it so in the book rise of the celestians you actually have that chronology at the front of the book and it's literally just a timeline that tells you you know major events in the kings of war timeline that have happened even ones that haven't had books written about them right so like the war of winter war with winter uh the abyssal flood all that kind of stuff is mapped out on this timeline and then it has the books that have been published so far in that um in that uh order that they that they appear oh, on very cool yeah so that, that does exist, and he's and Brandon's doing a lot of work to make sure that that continues to happen, and that gets updated, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's it's really cool because it's getting a more of a cohesive thing, and this all came about because of the work we're doing on um, Nature's Night. Because I remember Mark, I think you remember this too. We had a lot of conversations about when exactly is this going to happen? What were some of the some of the things that are going to go on? Is this happening before this book, after this book, or before this timeline, or before this big event? And so that's kind of what got the ball rolling. It, it, it's a really cool thing that they're doing because it's creating more complete tapestry for everybody. But with that being said, I don't think that there's, I mean, obviously there's book within a certain series that are obviously going to be needed to be read. Like you'll, you'll want to have read um, Steps to Deliverance before you read any of these other two books by Mark, but you don't need to have read Steps to Deliverance to understand Pious or Drowned Secrets, or Nature's Night, or any of the other books that are going to be coming out, or The Rise of the Celestians, or anything like that, uh, which is really cool because you kind of have like a tableau of novels that you get to choose what kind of style and what kind of scale that you want to read about because there's things all the way up from epic timelines with Rise of the Celestians all the way down to uh, Dungeon Saga, like Mark saying this with his new book about how it's super hyper-focused in on just a small group of adventurers or even one adventurer at a time. And it's nice to have that variety, right? Where I want, I love Kings of War. I'm playing the game. I'm getting into the lore. I want to start reading some. Okay. Oh, if I want a one-off, here's some one-offs. Or if I want to, if I want to, uh, uh, if I'm into like series of books, here's a series. Or if I want a naval book, here's a naval book. It's nice to have that variety of styles within so each book is not exactly the same thing you know there's something for everyone yeah the, the different writing styles is one of the real strengths of it um i yeah I've, I've been lucky enough to brandon sends me occasionally like the first three chapters of, of stuff by by other authors uh and you just see this real rich tapestry of different approaches to it um and you you know there's um there's some stuff which is really dark in tone. There's some stuff which is a lot lighter. There's some stuff which is really serious. There's some stuff which is really humorous. Um, and everyone's bringing kind of a different a different approach to it. There's some stuff which is linked. There's some stuff which is standalone. So it's like um, there's, there's uh, so uh, you know there's a, a very obvious link between Nature's Night and Drowned Secrets um, in in one of the characters appearing. Um, a really minor, a blink and you miss it. There's a young um, soldier gets mentioned in um, in Nature's Night, and then because uh, Faith Aligned happens a decade later, that guy is now a sergeant in the Legion and is one of the main characters in Faith Aligned. Um, so even though he's only mentioned once as a, as a tertiary background uh, character in, in the other one, Faith, uh, no, sorry, um, 
hero falling, uh, I borrowed two characters from Mantic. So they gave me uh, two of the expansion pack characters from Dungeon Saga and said, kind of just, you know, do what you want with them. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it was really kind of fun to do that, but hopefully I haven't messed them up. Um, <laughs> but one of them is the cousin of a character in uh, of the main character in a um, in a novel by a friend of mine um, called uh, yeah Tom who's uh, who's writing one of the other books that's coming out soon. I, I'm really letting him down here because I'm forgetting the title of it. But uh, we both spoke a lot about the, the the references between the two because with two of our main characters, uh, well. The, the character I borrowed, one of the characters I borrowed from from Mantic is a elven adventurer, and in in the expansion pack, I'm trying to remember which one it is. It's the uh, Warlord of Galahir. Um, it mentions her backstory, and it says that you know nothing's really known of why she left elven society, but something happened to force her away, uh, and that something that happened is referenced in Tom's book. Uh, and her small part in it. So we kind of came up with a whole idea of how it was going to work. Oh, that's um, really exciting. That's got to be exciting to you as an author, right? To be able to sort of, uh, especially in like a, a rich uh, world that's being built around Kings of War, to be able to set those Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really cool because Tom, Tom Fern, is, he's got this uh, set up. He's finished the novel. It's in, it's in the production queue. Uh, and it's, it's, again, it's one of the ones with a darker tone. Um, and uh, th 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 there's kind of, yeah, without, I don't think it's much of a spoiler, there is a murder which uh, takes place in it, which drives a lot of events. And um, the character who I borrowed from Mantic, I made the event be that she's basically an accessory to that murder. Uh, and that's what drove her away from her society. Um, and different parts of it as kind of flashbacks are mentioned in both of our novels, but from different perspectives and at different times. So you can kind of piece the whole story together if you read both of those novels separately. Um, so, so yeah, it's kind of fun to, to, to do that sort of thing. And, and, you know, there's other authors I've spoken to and said, do you want to link in? And, you know, they said, not really. I just want this to be my own standalone thing. And it's cool. That's absolutely fine. Because exactly as you said, there will be readers who, who, don't want the whole MCU approach of, oh, geez, what order have I got to do this in? I just want to read a story. And there's plenty of standalone stories uh, in the production queue which do exactly that, which which don't fit into the bigger thing and are just a story, uh, you know, on their own merit. So in looking at on the Faith Aligned, on the byline, it, it mentions the character that you're bringing forward, right, which is Orion, um, who was one of the main characters from uh, Steps to Deliverance. <laughs> Uh, was it sort of our, uh, was he an easy pick to be like in, in thinking about like who you wanted to, to pull forward is, or what about his, his character or his personality or, or about his story that was exciting for you as an author to want to continue his adventures? Oh man, that's a really good question. Um, cause I've, cause I've done character based stuff. You, you, you pour your heart and soul creatively into these things and these characters, you know what you end up putting on paper um i'm gonna guess from the way ben writes it's very similar with you as well i don't know is that you, you don't you've thought up probably two thousand pages but you only write mm -hmm. 200 pages and so you know so much more about that character to, to make it consistent and to make and to flesh it out and you put so much emotional investment into these characters 
um, that it's really easy to lose scope. And, you know, people come back to you and people are kind enough to get in touch and say, I really like this. And, you know, the first thing you come back, great. Which was your favorite character? <laughs> Didn't really have one. You know, and it's because most most readers will just read something, go, yeah, I enjoyed that, or I didn't really like that, and then they move on to the next book, and, and that's that's cool, that's fine. But from the author point of view, you have fleshed out these characters so much, and then you think, well, who is the fan favorite? Who do the readers really like? And and there isn't really an answer to that. Different readers will gravitate to different characters, and there isn't a natural one to go for. So, Brandon. Uh, was saying it's, it's got to be Orion. Uh, I thought it has to be that, that he was certainly the, the the character who I enjoyed fleshing out the most of taking this this horrific uh, bully, uh, this brute of a character who, who has this sort of road to Damascus vision and realizes I need to be a better person um, and uh, is becoming a better person. And then faith aligns. You know, there's, there's a bit of a step back. There are lapses. You don't just suddenly go okay, I'm fixed, I'm a good guy now, and Faith Align carries on this thing of actually, he's not all there, he isn't all fixed, and he, he, he makes stupid decisions, he does unwise things and gets in trouble throughout that as well, alongside a cast of new characters. One thing I liked about Steps to Deliverance is, and just in general, I like when stories have strong female characters, I think it adds like an interesting uh, dynamic uh, when you're thinking about that, is that something that just naturally sort of happens in your storytelling? Or are you thinking about wanting mm -hmm. to make sure that your storytelling is diverse? Or can you speak a little bit to that? Like what's going on when you're thinking about creating characters? I planned it for Steps of Deliverance. I planned out the, um, the four characters that you're going to see through their point of view. And I ran it by a friend uh, who said, but you can't do that. There's, uh, there's three male and one female character. So you, that's, uh, you've got to have an even split. Oh, gosh, do I? Okay. So I, I, I changed one of them, and, uh, and, and, and Constance became Constance, who was originally a male character, the mercenary, and, um, which, was, uh, which was awkward because uh, in the original um, synopsis, she was the one of the four who, who gets killed. But, you know, there's no spoilers now. Steps of the Rinse has been out for, for years, and, you know, you know she, she survived. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't die. But, um, yeah, speaking to Brandon, again, he's got a, a lot more experience in this. And it was like, no, you, you can't use uh, equations for diversity. It doesn't work like that. You tell the story in any way it needs to be. Um, and if you're looking at the medieval setting, which is ultimately what it is, a medieval military setting, um, women are going to be pretty rare. And so, so, so it's a balancing act. Because on the one hand, yeah, you, you do want the, the diverse approach to characters. And you do want different readers to kind of gravitate to different people and to uh, see themselves reflected in, in different people, perhaps. Uh, but you don't want to kind of just be um, uh, you know, forcing it. it. It needs to kind of feel more natural. So, so yeah, I, I think it, it worked for me in terms of there's, there's the two female characters in it. Re remind me, Constance was the crossbow commander, right, of the crossbow? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. You know what? But see, I really like that character because not only was she a mercenary, but because she was a woman, I liked how you had elements that no one wanted to like listen to what she had to say, but her but her men listened to her because she was good at like keeping them alive. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's it. That as it is a medieval setting, um, modern values don't apply. 
so uh, and it can, it can be quite difficult to write sometimes because it can feel really uncomfortable um but i i can't see um well you know maybe in, in some sort of more advanced societies and i kind of touch on it in hero falling with the uh, the elf character who's who kind of makes a lot of references to uh, humankind having to catch up in a lot of ways but uh yeah it's um it's tricky to write because you you you, you risk offending people i guess totally. um but but um so, so yeah i'm kind of treading on eggshells when i'm writing that sort of stuff yeah because it's I, like I you want, want to upset anyone yeah, you want the story to be or to have the characters feel like they're organically part of the story and not drop-ins, you know, to, to check yeah. boxes. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally get the sort of uh, it's like a tension, right? A push and pull between wanting yeah. to have stories that are accessible for all sorts of people, but also wanting at the core the story to be to not to be serving anyone but itself. I mean, the story is the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. Um... So, so yeah, you know, the, the, when you're writing about paladins, the the overwhelming majority are male. Uh, it's not a fifty-fifty split, um, and that's something I, I talked to about Mantic and said that you know, okay, so you've got the sisterhood. Um, are there women in the paladin orders? And the answer came back, yes, there are, but but treat it, the legion and the paladin orders as women being allowed in them is a very recent thing. So, so they're only just starting to filter through the ranks. So there are a few, but not many. Um, so, so, so yeah, that, that's how I wrote it. Mm -hmm. And then, so then, give us a little uh, now a little snippet. Who then from um, Steps to Deliverance has made it into Hero Falling? Right, Hero Falling is um, following up on. The, there's a bit in Steps to Deliverance where Orion and Estelle have kind of got to forge ahead through the mountains of Tarkis to to find a path so that they can loop back, get a bridge fixed, and the army can carry on. Um, and in doing so, there's this, there's the, my little homage to, uh, to Dungeon Saga, where they start waking up skeletons and go through an old dungeon and all stuff like that. And there's a load of Dungeon Saga mechanics referenced in that. Um, so what I've done is kind of said that the person they woke up it, it's a lot worse than they thought. Um, you know, Ryan's moved on to different things, uh, but Estelle has gone back uh, and has found out that what they woke up is something really, really, really serious. Um, so she kind of assembles a, uh, a band of old colleagues because she's uh, in her early 30s and has, has got a lot of experience with this stuff by, by now. So that's where the two uh, characters from Dungeon Saga come in. Uh, of uh, Ragran and Thessalar, who, who are two Manta characters who already existed. So, but but they're ten years older than uh, when they're in the expansion pack. So for an elf, it doesn't make much difference. But for the barbarian, he's he's you know kind of in his forties now. Uh, then uh, also um, Valetto, who's the uh, Aramanta, the mage. Uh, he he gets roped into it indirectly. So he's the other character who kind of returns. Uh, and then I've got a, a salamander mage priest to, to kind of fill up, fill the lineup, who um, who was really good fun to write because I played Dungeon Saga a lot with my son, um, and it's my son's Dungeon Saga character. So, oh, that's uh, awesome! Yeah, it was kind of cool uh, to, um, to to write him with my son's permission. And I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Dungeon Saga. I think it's like a perfect um, balance of not being too complicated. 
Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I um, I don't know how it isn't hasn't got more of a following. I, I suppose because um, the Hero Quest mold has been done quite a lot, but I think Dungeon uh, Dungeon Saga is a very, very good um uh, game within that mold. Um, so so yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen more expansion packs. I've got every one of them all stacked up in a in the uh, in, in the hobby cupboard. So so yeah, I absolutely love it, and it, it was really fun just doing that sort of. It's a really old-fashioned. Here's five people going into dungeon, you know, living out of a tavern, and going into dungeons, exploring it, taking some hits, going back to recover their wounds. Uh, you know, uh, kind of in the tavern, crowded around a table with uh, flagons of ale, and, and then getting stuck in and going back in. It's it's a very very old-fashioned traditional adventure story. Is what is what I tried to do. With it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, one thing I like about Dungeon Saga is that du- there's a lot of great games that are um, take the dungeon crawl experience and make it very complex, which is good. I mean, Kingdom Death Monster or um, uh, the other one, I've, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was a huge box in my garage that I've never played. Uh, where it's super complex. But what I love about Dungeon Saga is it's a modern game, but it's very much, I feel like, built in a very kind of, I feel like a kid playing hero quest again when i play yeah. dungeon saga but it feels more modern yeah exactly that for me I, I i liked hero quest i really liked advanced hero quest and i think dungeon saga sits in between the two for complexity yeah. um and it, it, it's great my son loves it uh he, he has some of his friends who come around to play it as well they love it, it it's a really good uh, again a game to get kids into the hobby because uh, it's, it's simple and accessible and fast and you can get attached to your character you can watch them level up and get new stuff um and uh so yeah it was it, it was cool to write my my son's uh, salamander character into it um with all of the way he he plays the game of uh, and what his priorities in the game are to, to incorporate that into the character's um way of thinking and way of acting now ben remind me have we had because i believe in your book which I, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't read yet, but it's on my to-read list. I know you're dealing with Trident Realm stuff. Have we had uh, any Salamanders in any Wingdasar books yet, or is this sort of like a first for that? We had one um, as kind of like a protector in Nature's Night for um, the the romantic lead that I forget her name off the top of my head too. Um, uh, I want to say Aaliyah. Okay. Yeah. She anyway, she had a like a lizard man bodyguard that was I think it was Brandon that requested that and kind of came up with that character if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. And we all yeah. kind of ran with it. But I think that's the only representation of salamanders that we've had other than I can't remember were there any references to the in Pious Mark? Yeah, there was um in Pious, there's a, a, a privateer captain, right. and uh, her um, her first mate is Salamander, but a very minor character. Well, that's cool. I know a lot of people, a lot of um, Salamander players will be excited, you know, to read more stuff with characters from their faction. So, well, do we know? I know right now you can go onto Winged Hazar and go into their, uh, their whpsupplyroom.com. And these are both up for you're here. Both uh, Hero Falling and Faith Aligned are up for pre-order. Do we? Do you have any idea about when when we're expecting to see those available? Oh gosh, um, the short and honest answer is no. Uh, they were planned for early summer, 
and uh, again, just stuff has just got in the way. Of- well, in part two of our episode, yeah. when we have Brandon on, we'll grill him. We'll put oh, him yeah, on yeah. fire, and we'll, yeah. we'll we'll try to get the deeds. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah. If you, if you could like uh, WhatsApp me what he says as well, so I can. Find okay, out. so you because it's nice to know when your book's coming out, right? <laughs> so. yeah, to be fair to him, uh, whenever there are changes, I'm I'm, I'm always the first. Oh, totally. Brandon's. The, oh, yeah. I love the the Ross Bonds. They're like really cool, and I just love their. Um, I really love the the mission of giving newer writers a chance to get published. I just really love. It's so hard to break into the world as an artist, whatever art you, form you do. So I really like believe strongly with their with their vision of trying to find uh, uh, and help shepherd authors to get more, uh, you know, credits under their belt and everything. Have they been really good for you to work with? Both you guys, a question to both you guys. I'm sure. I, I have nothing but praises to sing for Wingus R. Uh, for the, for, for how many people are staffed by them. I think it's just Brandon and Vince. Um, they, they do a phenomenal with the amount of work that's required for each book even and the amount the volume of stuff that they put out um it's it's very impressive um they were my they're who gave me my first shot with drowned secrets so i of course i'm going to be um pretty uh pretty happy with them right um but brandon is always available he always responds to any question i send him within usually within the hour of me sending it and he's always open for quick questions uh whenever i've gone through edits with him it is always me on the spot like legitimately editing goes back and forth it's days in between corrections and back and forth and let's change this scene kind of thing um super dedicated when when your book's the one that's in the queue it's it's let's get this done let's work on this we'll get through it um, if you have questions, we can pass them on. He knows who to talk to. Very, very excellent in that regard. So I have nothing but good things to say um, about Wing Star and and their the help giving new or amateur writers like myself a chance to to level up, if you will. Yeah, I, I totally second that. Uh, absolutely. Um... I wanted to write fiction. I tried. I failed. It didn't work out for me. Um, it was always, you know, it's a kind of hobby thing anyway. I, I, I don't write as my primary job, but um, I ended up writing a lot of nonfiction. Um, I, I got uh, some uh, military history books published. Then I ended up doing freelance stuff. Then I ended up doing uh, rules writing. But and I gave up on fiction. Um, I had, oh gosh, what was it? Pro- probably about seven books published. Um, and then the Wing SR opportunity came up and they, they gave me a shot. And um, so, so, so yeah, it is. They, 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 it was great to, to, to now be writing what I always wanted to write, not kind of what I, for what I settled for, if that makes sense. And I, my first book came out, I think, 2007. And I've worked with a lot of companies I, you know, I'll quite happily go on record as saying Brandon is the single nicest guy I have ever had the privilege to work with in the industry. So, you know, like when you watch a movie and it's kind of better when you know the actors are, are really nice people in real life. It's like that. If you're supporting Wing Tassar, you're supporting the nicest people in the industry. They really, really are, the, you know, the, uh, the, the family 
company, the friendly company. And um, yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome people to work for. They really are. And it, it's not like working for a boss. It's like working with your friend, um, mm. which I'm going to start misting up here. Jeez. Um, so, so yeah, they are. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. They really are. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, so what do you have? Um, you have these two books coming out soon, and then is is there anything? Are you taking a break from writing? Do you have some some stuff that you're going to maybe working on? And if you can't share the deets, that's fine. But just are are you going to be do, continuing to work with Wing Hussar, or sort of sort of what's on your uh, future as a writer? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's uh, I, I I took a break from. Kings of War because uh, Infinity. I, I don't know if you've played at all. Yes, uh, familiar Winter, with Infinity. Yeah. Yeah, Winterstar signed on with Infinity, and I ended up writing the the opening novel to that, which came out a few weeks oh, cool. ago. Um, and that was that, that that was that was a really interesting process to go through because uh, whereas with with Kings of War, when we were first getting started with all of this, there wasn't um, there, there was a reasonable amount of law. Um, but there's a, a lot of gaps you've got to fill in. Um, whereas with Infinity, it's quite the opposite. There is hundreds and hundreds of pages in spread across 10 years of law books, RPG books. There is so much. So, so it's a real, it was a real different challenge to kind of come in as an outsider into that one. Um, and is that, um, Downfall, I think it's called? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Um, so, so yeah, that was. That was fun to write. Kings of War. Uh, I think it's a very family-friendly setting. Um, Infinity is not. Uh, it is very open and honest, and it's it's an adult setting. So that was a different way of writing. And uh, yeah, Brandon had to rein in my uh, my use of watch in that quite a lot, which was quite <laughs> um, uh, so, so yeah, it still had the odd criticism for gee, how many times are you going to use the F word? It's like well. We did cut it in a quarter, so um, yeah, it was it was it was even worse in the first draft. Um, so, so that was it was a very different way of writing, uh, of, of doing something uh, with, with with lots of shooting and sci-fi and uh, and swearing. <laughs> but um, so, so at the moment, I got two things going on with Wing to Star, which uh, one is um, because again, downfall sales-wise. Uh, did even better than Steps to Deliverance, uh, so, so that's um, that one's gone very well. Um, which again, I think it shows the strength of the Infinity brand. It's not like down to me as an author. Oh yeah, people who play that game lo- are obsessed with it. It has like oh, a really fanat- yeah. they're like a really fanatical following for that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, th- that's the thing. You know, you look at uh, look at the reviews. For my Kings of War stuff, the good reviews are like quite really polite and, and encouraging, and will say, yeah, yeah, it's a good book. The bad reviews are people who didn't like it. Go, ah, it wasn't for me, and 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 that's how it goes. Whereas with Downfall, the good reviews are like, you must buy this book. And I was literally compared to Tom Clancy, which was a bit like, wow, <laughs> right. whereas the bad reviews are full blown trolling of saying, you know, saying you're an awful human being, and it's like, wow, uh, it's so extreme. Like the you book's know, not um, even bad, but you actually are a horrible person yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah that's it. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, it's um, it, it, it is. It's, it's a very different crowd, and uh, I, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that there is so much law in Infinity. People are invested in it, whereas my limited experience of of playing Kings of War, 
uh, and getting stuck into the community down here is that there are a lot a lot more a higher percentage of people who play kings of war who who are quite happy not really getting involved uh, in the law they just want to yeah. play the game for what it is um, that doesn't happen in Infinity much. People are in like they, they're drinking the Kool Aid. They love that world. So yeah, yeah. So so um, so, so it's it's against it's a different challenge in writing, and that's not saying that either either crowd is wrong in any way. I'm just just saying that they're different. It, it, it's um it's it's a different crowd to try and please in a different way, uh, and that they're both they're both awesome, just just in different ways. Um, so, so I've got a potential sequel to Downfall, which I'm kind of negotiating with Corpus Belli at the moment, and the fourth book in this sort of Steps to Deliverance saga, the one which brings the loose threads from Hero Falling and Faith Aligned, I've tentatively started that. I've written about five pages of that. So, so, so work has started cool. on a fourth one. Um, which also includes the uh, characters from Pius as, as secondary characters as well. So kind of... Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know there's a big time difference, so thank you so much. I know a lot of people really love Steps to Deliverance, so they're excited to read on with those characters. Any any final questions for Mark, Ben, before we let him go? Um, just, uh, just make sure you remember me when you're, when you're hobnobbing with Tom Clancy. I'm just saying. If you... I know that's, that's high praise. So, oh, um, I, I should say thank you actually, because, um, I, I, I do listen to countercharge. Uh, I, I, I listen in from the side and something Ben said literally years ago is what made me write, um, hero falling which uh, was, we're talking about, um, I think someone was was asking you about the darker tones of Drowned Secrets. uh, And you said uh, something along the lines of um, an author should uh, occasionally go out of their comfort zone and should write things that they're not that comfortable writing to try and kind of push themselves and and push the envelope a bit. And I initially thought, why would I want to do that? I don't want to write something I'm not comfortable with. And then I thought, no, that's a challenge, and that's that's a good way of looking at it, and and that's why uh, and that was what made me write that thought process was what started off Hero Falling because it's an adventure story, it's not a military story, um, so that I was well out of my comfort zone with with doing that. Thank you very much for saying that on Countercharge years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. That's yeah, awesome. Like Ben is like Inception. He's he's he incepted your stories <laughs> like all yeah. those years ago. <laughs> Uh, well again like we we really appreciate you coming on Uh, we're going to take a quick break and on the other side we'll be back with Brandon Rossbon from Winged Hussars uh, Publishing and we'll be taking a look at what's coming down the pipeline from Winged Hussar so we will be right back this is the spy master Dojo's everyman handsome Tom Annis and you're listening to Countercharge I'm Tyler Schultz, loser at Vanguard, but countercharger in Kings of Four, and you're listening to Countercharge. All right, welcome back. Um, we're back with the second half. We're here with Brandon, um, and unfortunately, uh, Jeremy had some technical issues, so he had to step out, but thankfully, Rob was willing to step in for him and uh, uh, take over. The that, that's an upgrade process. in my mind, right? Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy, to me, that's an upgrade. Come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean... That's like going from medium size to super size and on your combo meal, right? For sure. Take that however you want, Rob. I'm just 
It just makes sense. Um, but I, Rob, seeing as how you're stepping in about the halfway point before we move on to Brandon and Wingdasar and all the stuff that he's working on or that they're working on, uh, do you want to let us know how things are going with you and, I mean, what's on your hobby updates or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're just been full speed ahead this summer, a bunch of different events, and we've got the Michigan GT coming up in uh, October 1st and 2nd. And I have been, I have decided that, you know, I want to play an army that's a little bit more tougher to play, and I'm playing Kingdoms of Men, so I pulled the, the half men out again, and I've been painting, like, feverishly uh, Fanatics, and um, I think on the live stream last week I showed my Fanatics, and I was smart enough not to paint these little white-robed halfling guys white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, that Probably would have, probably would have yeah, I saw those on the uh, on the broadcast last week. It's like that's probably a good choice. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm working on a giant, and I still have a dragon and a chariot to paint. So running out of time. I've got like four weeks left. So yeah, it's coming plugging up. Plugging away. It's coming up fast. How about you, uh, Ben? And Refugees of the World. It's not too low, not too far away. Uh, yeah, we were, I was talking with Jeremy about it. It's about now, at the time of this recording, about six weeks away. I've got most of the trophies painted. All the prize supports in. Uh, that I'm aware of. There might be one or two things out there that I need to check up on, but uh, the venue's there. The tables are all prepped and ready. It's it's ready to ready to go. We got a bunch of guys coming up from Reno and uh, even a Canadian coming in. <laughs> That's a new person that I haven't met before. Um, it's going to be a really interesting time. We're going to have a good time, and it's it always is. It's always a it's always is the, a blast. Is the Canadian part of the Edmonton crew or the Vancouver crew? Uh, he's from Edmonton, yeah. Okay. If I remember right. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, we had the Edmonton guys on not too long ago, and they they were chatting about they uh, they wanted to get to your event at some point because you're, you're actually re- 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 relatively close. I mean, Relative, 14, yeah. hour, 14, 15 hours, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's close for Idaho, right? It's, I mean, it's exactly. Exactly. That's how close the nearest, you know, population center is that clears the six digits. So, no, not quite, but just about. Uh, Brandon, as we said, we've got Brandon on Brandon Rossman with us. You want to take us through what you're doing and uh, kind of give us an update of what you're going on? I know that you've got a one really big project going on, but have you got anything else in the fire right now? Sure. Hey guys, uh, Brandon here. Glad to be back on Countercharge. Um, since the last time I've been on, my well, I'll start with the hobby update first. Uh, my big hobby hobby update is I have received my entire backstart of Marvel United. And I got some really nice shelving units for them. And they're all looking really nice, unpainted, except for the one villain I painted only because he was an easy color scheme. Mr. Sinister, mostly blue. So <laughs> that was pretty red. So, yeah, they're sitting actually right in front of me, staring at me, uh, wondering why I have not touched any of them yet. But it's a really fun game to play. Uh, besides that, uh, as far as the book business goes... I have been slaving away at book after book after book after book since the last time I've been on. Um, the two that I'm here to talk about today, and we just finished the uh, double release from Mark Barber's two books, Faith Aligned and um, Year of Falling. And uh, those are really fun books to work with, but I will get into that soon. I've been working on, uh, well, since I've been on the show last, we actually launched a, um, our first Infinity of the Game novel, also done by Mark Barber, and it's gotten really good reviews and it's been well received by the community and the uh, creators alike and then i've been working with uh craig gallant of the d6 generation to for his novel in the series 
Um, Craig's been a longtime author with us, and uh, he's been he's no stranger to um, in fiction, like in game novels. Um, he worked with uh, us on Wild West Exodus, and he's dabbled with some uh, standalone novels with us. But it's good to have him back in the fold on big titles like this. No, I say plus I think he's in the, he has played yeah. Infinity in the past. Yes, so. he's a huge Better. Infinity fan. So he he was super. Once we talked about it, he's like, "Oh yeah, no, 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 I got to jump on that train." So um, he and Mark were the first two authors I actually approached on it because they're two of our um, two of our top selling, better, well honed, crafted authors. So I was really happy to have them both involved in that project. And then on a personal note, uh, I, we're going to relaunch my standalone, well, the first novel in my own standalone series next year. Um, it was the first novel that we published under Wing Tusser Publishing. It was the first novel that I edited. It was the first. It was the first for a lot of things for us, um, and that was over ten years ago. And let me tell you, being your own editor at your own novel is a terrible thing. And I did the thing that everybody says not to do, and I made my life's dreams work. The thing I've been working on since I was, uh, you know, could first develop stories. I made that my first novel choice, and that was a terrible idea. So. Thanks to Mark's help, I actually went back and I tore the whole thing apart and um, edited the entire thing from start to finish. And we're taking the old one out of circulation and now we're going to relaunch this next year. So I'm happy to be able to have a novel of my own that I can promote besides all of the various novels that I've edited over the course of Wingtuster Publishing. It's a nice feeling. So what you're saying is that there's a first edition of this novel out there that we need to get our hands on before this one takes off. Um, If you can find it somewhere, yes. But uh, we took it out of Amazon a while ago, and Barnes & Noble hasn't carried it in a while. They did at one point, which was really cool to see. Um, And I sold a lot of copies locally. It was well-received, but then again, it was locally, and a lot of people knew me. Um, But yeah, I, I would highly recommend not looking for it. It's, it's in, in my honest opinion, hot garbage. <laughs> you learn a lot over the course of 10 years and working with various authors and learning different styles. And, you know, the, the, the big advice people always say is read, read, read. And you can read a lot. But when it comes to actually crafting a novel, you need to have somebody with experience and the craft looking over your shoulder and giving you the advice that you need. And when I published my novel, I had two people never actually written anything professionally who I just knew enjoyed writing, take looks at it. And they gave me feedback and while it, I think it helped, it wasn't having professional editing, which I hope Ben, you can attest to. I like now give on a professional level to people. <laughs> no, I, I can attest to your abilities as an editor. It, it, it's very helpful. Um, having somebody that knows what they're talking about and knows what to look for. And there's, there's so many things that having somebody that, is experienced in the the area that you're one writing about and just general publishing in general. And just having somebody like, who's not as close to the story, having an impartial. No. Yeah. It, it definitely does help. Um, so the name of your book is uh, it's Dragoon. The first part of it's escaping me though. It's uh, the Dragoon clan is the series title and the novel name is rebirth of courage. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, if you're, uh, looking for something new to read and it's not associated with any other IP, it's totally 100% your own personal invention, right? Yep, exactly. Awesome. A lot of books planned out in that series. It's, you know, trying to find the time to write it in between editing all like this took me, 
I've been working on the edits for this pretty much almost two years after the novel came out. So, because originally we had a lot of formatting things that, you know, Vince wanted to try new formatting styles and new techniques because we were a new publishing company, see if we could catch eyes. And it really just did not go over well. So I was the guinea pig for that. So I've been wanting to re-edit and republish it for about eight years. And it's taken this long to actually get a finished version in the midst of all my other tasks and books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's a big, I, I don't think people realize just how big of a task it is to write a novel, much less it, while you've got all your other stuff that's going on. Like uh, uh, you've, you've, you've pretty much started a family. You've had a whole bunch of other big life events that have happened to you since then. You've got a bunch of different things that were going on on top of being an editor and your day job and all of your other responsibilities to the community and whatever else you're doing. And so all that compiled together, it's, it's a pretty high order to be able to get a book done. And so it's, it's impressive that you've been able to do that. Yep, thank you. You hit the nail on the head on almost everything. But may I throw in also, I also do freelance editing on the side of all of that. So yeah, my schedule's pretty crazy. That's <laughs> very impressive. Well, cool. Well, I'll definitely be picking up a copy of that. In fact, as soon as I have you got the pre-order link up yet, or it's not quite yet, right? Not quite yet. I, I'm I'm working, I just finished, I got the cover done. I'm now working on rewording the, the back blurb because I didn't like the way that came out. Um, I just finished editing that. I'm going to send it over to Vince. He's going to get the cover laid out and then we can get a new pre-order up. So I, I'm going to be posting it all over my uh, Facebook page once I do. Well, that's awesome. I will definitely, um, I will definitely be picking up a copy. I'll be looking for your, at your Facebook page when it's there. I'm sure wing to Sar publishing will be publishing links for it as well. When it comes out, it's all very exciting. Um, I, and I'm excited to support you cause I know you've done a lot for the lore with us and helping just with a bunch of, not just in Kings of war, but in a lot of different communities, helping especially newer authors get their start. So I think you're well past due some, uh, some goodwill in that area. So, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, so going back to the topic that we were talking about before the break, uh, uh, we were talking with Mark Barber uh, about his dual release for his two books, which are Hero Falling, but the first one is called um, Fresh Faith Memory. Aligned. Faith Aligned, that's right. Faith Aligned is the first one that's going to be coming out, and the second one is Hero Falling. Um, and Faith Aligned is going to be coming out, it's like in the next couple months, right? So probably it won't be until the start of the year. Okay. It was supposed to be a summer release, and then it was supposed to be a fall release, and now it's just been pushed back to the first of the year. Um, and the novel, the, the books are done. I finished the edits a few months ago. Um, but like with everything, COVID mm. has you know continued pushing on the market, so uh, things just keep cropping up that make uh, our job more difficult. Uh, the printers have been extremely frustrating lately. Um, when we had our Infinity release um that was back around the time of adepticon which was about march late march um it used to take us a few weeks to get a novel printed it now takes two to three months so we were waiting on some things from mantic um we're going to be it, it, there's some new things we're going to be putting in the starts of every books in uh, starts of every uh, kings of war book which include a timeline a bit of an overall like overscope of the world of 
Hanathor, so that way people get to know a little bit about the Kings of War universe, even if this is their, like, this book might be their first book, this will give you a little bit intro on Panathor. And then um, we're going to be adding in some maps, too, with all the updated, with any new big towns that are created in the setting of that novel, they should be added to the maps. So currently we're just trying to iron out the details on the maps, and with everything that's been going on with us, with Mantic, some news about Mantic that we're, I'm sure we're going to touch on later that, you know, people I'm sure have heard by the time this comes out. It's been a little uh, hectic trying to get all of our ducks in a row. So it's done. It's in process. But I can say it probably won't be by the end of this year, unfortunately. Which is fair. Um, that It always seems like, you know, there's that one saying, I forget who always says it. It says, I love deadlines. I love the sound that they make because they pass over my head. Right? <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. So I'm we've we've heard what Mark has to say about his story. Um, for you as an editor and as somebody that's probably been someone that he's storyboarded with or come up with different ideas for the story about it, uh, what was this like for you, especially with the the proposal of doing a dual release and all of that? Because this this obviously didn't happen overnight. This wasn't something that he just woke up one day and was like, "Hey, you know what I should do?" And he talked about that as well. So for you, what, what's your take on this kind of unique approach that he's taken in the way that he tells this story? Well, it's, it's something, like you said, we haven't, really, we haven't done before. It's, it's kind of unexplored territory as far as the release goes. And originally, it was supposed to come out on the same, at the exact same time. But due to, and this is the kind of thing I went into him with Leary a little bit with him, it was due to um, marketing and, uh, you know, our distributor, I didn't think they would both be able to release at the exact same time, and they, they kind of frowned upon that. So we had to separate them out, I think, by a month. But the whole concept of the fact that the novels take place at the exact same time and you can pick them up in either order and read them works flawlessly. There are things in both novels that he has done to, if you if you read them in either order, you'll pick up details. You're like, oh, I know who that character is, or oh, I know what that's about. And then if you read the other one, you're like, oh, there's that connection. So um, when I read, so I did it in the order, I edited them in the order of Faith Aligned and then Hero Falling, because that's the order in which I received them. And there were details when I was reading Faith Aligned, I'm like, oh, I was reading Hero Falling and then seeing things from Faith Aligned and the two just kept crossing over as little details and things that would spark in my memory that I read from the other book that would just pop out. And it was really interesting and a cool way to do it. Yeah, it, it seemed it really caught my interest when I heard about it and and I've been looking forward to seeing how it all works together. And so that's 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 encouraging that you say that it works really well together. Um, and it's it's kind of a cool thing that you'll have. It doesn't matter which one you pick up first. So it might even be interesting to wait until Hero Falling comes out to read Faith of the Line just to, to get that opposite approach. But oh, oh sorry, I was going to say another interesting thing, though, is when you take when you look at what Steps of Deliverance brought to the table and it was like our first full length Kings of War novel, and you look at the the epic scale of which it, it's a you know it's truly like a tabletop battle recreated in novel form, and then you have that epic battle at the end against the Abyssals. It's in the clear game terms, like not looking into the moral gray between factions. You have the quote unquote goodest good faction versus the evilest evil faction in this ultimate battle of clashing wills, and how you have somebody turn who turned from those forces of good into the forces of evil. It, it was an epic ending. And it's kind of like 
you, you say, how do you continue with the characters from there? And what Mark did was really interesting because he didn't continue their stories together. Like it, a little bit of a spoiler for Steps of Deliverance, but it's been out long enough where I think I can talk about this. Uh, the ending kind of made you think that Orion and Estelle were going to kind of have this romance together. Like they, that they were, there was a toying idea of them being, you know, very interested in each other. And that's kind of the hype that gets built up as the novel goes on. But then it ends kind of like, uh, no, they kind of go in separate ways. And then as you read these novels, one is through the point of view of the main character being Orion. And the other one is through the point of view of the main character being Estelle. And the interesting thing is they're as different of characters as they are, the styles and the, the whole feel of the novels are different from each other to also match those styles. So Orion is a, you know, paladin defender from Kings of War and, you know, you, you know his model, his type, his stats, etc. And so the book Faith Aligned reads like a Kings of War novel does. Meanwhile, Estelle is an adventurer and she, her character in general falls out of the bounds of your average Kings of War character it's without you know, you can't really place her per se in stats and units. She's more of a heroic character. Thus, she kind of fits the flow of Dungeon Saga a little bit more. And Hero Falling is definitely heavy, heavy on the Dungeon Saga. And there's a scene where Orion and Estelle enter a, a tomb accidentally in Steps to Deliverance. And that whole scene, which was a subtle nod to Dungeon Saga, is kind of the crux of Hero Falling. So it's interesting, as different characters as they are, their their individual novels and their tales and their points of view are just as different. And so even though it's the same author, it does feel like you're reading two completely different novels. Which is really cool, because that, that's a very difficult thing. Um, perspective is always something that's really hard to do uh, and to do well in novels, um, especially if you've got people that are technically both good guys, but have different ways of seeing it. subtle differences like that, or less contrasting differences of perspective are much harder to pull off in that regard. So the, the, the shades of what is good and what's bad and all that kind of stuff, I feel like is a much more difficult concept than, um, you've got your, your good of the good, the best of the best over here. And you've got your worst of the worst over here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And having those two um, play off of each other is much easier, I feel, than having a good guy who's got some foibles and another good guy that has different foibles um, working off of each other is much more nuanced and takes a different um, takes a different set of tools to to accomplish that. So the fact that he's doing that is it, that's impressive. I'm excited to 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 read about that. Because I did, I liked the character Estelle and Orion. I was rooting for, um, and I'm I'm excited to see how well how their stories. But I I, I am a little bit, I was kind of rooting for the romance there. I'm not gonna lie, and uh, I had that in the back of my head, so I was hoping that that would come to something. But it seems like at the very least, the answer is not yet. Yeah, hold on to hope. That's all I'm gonna say. There's still. <laughs> the ceilings of hope that something will come. And Mark and I are both of the mind frame of happy endings, even though he loves, he's also very keen to leave things at gray endings or like 
sorrowful endings, but not, not necessarily bad endings. Like uh, Steps to Deliverance, it actually ended a little bit sadder than he left it. And I said, yeah, let's like let's just make it a little bit more like hopeful. I, I like happy conclusions to my story. And even, you know, Ben, as we were working on Nature's Night together, there, I, I, you know, I was the one trying to push for, let's, let's just, if, maybe not even if happy, let's try to make it that there's a little bit of hope. <laughs> oh, yeah, hope's great. Hope's great, as long as it's contrasted properly, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, cool. Um, yeah, um, Faith Aligned and Hero Falling, both of them sound like they're going to be phenomenal books. It's great that we're going to get them so close together. This will be the the quickest release and the most amount of uh, Kings of War content that's been released in novel format ever. So we've got that to look forward to first quarter of the year, hopefully more to the January side than the March side of that, but fingers crossed, right? Yep. You know, and as always, the ebook will come out sooner than the physical book. Um, with any luck, hopefully the ebook will release sooner. I have to talk to Vince about that, but you know, like I said, they're done. It's just a matter of waiting on a couple of things to come to finalize it, but hopefully sooner rather than later. Okay. So there was something else that Mark brought up that I thought was an interesting uh, remark or a point that he made. You already talked about how he has released a novel for the infinity IP that you guys have that you um, that you're working with. And that's mm-hmm. had pretty good reviews so far. Um, he made an interesting comparison between the Kings of War um, player base and the Infinity player base, um, and and I'm going to make the same um, same caveat to this to this statement as any other is uh, it's not to say that one is better or superior to the other position, but it does seem as though um, the fan base for Infinity is a little bit more uh, intensely involved with the the lore of their game. Whereas Kings of War seems to be like, yeah, it's a nice little addition. It's an extra little bit of flavor on the plate. But the main thing I'm going, the meat and potatoes of the game, of, of my reason for being here is the game. So, and I, and I totally get see where he's coming from. Um, Kings of War has been nothing but polite uh, about the works that I've done, that I've worked on, that I've seen. Uh, people put out through uh, through you, Winkasar. Um, but my question comes down to this: basically, do you think what what do you think creates that difference? And do you think there's any way that the stories coming out, or, or is there any way for the stories that are coming out that are being written currently, that are being in the process, or that you think would help create a catalyst for more uh, interest and more? desire to be involved with that lore and that that fluff aspect of the game so it's a very heavy question so i try to hit on all the points i want to one of the things i noticed immediately when going into working with infinity was there was already a heavy amount of uh lore the game is vastly vastly explored with lore and it come you know that's not to say that Kings of War isn't, um, but the lore is intertwined with the game itself, I'd like to say. Whereas Kings of War is kind of more, we have an amazing system, and here's the background for the system if you want to get a little bit more involved. But from even just what I've seen in the different Facebook groups, 
it definitely seems like the lore is not as important to a lot of players. Infinity is very heavy on having named characters and supporting those named characters in the rules and expanding on their background. Kings of War does have a handful of named characters, but they're, they're not as heavily explored. We haven't we haven't seen too many named characters explored in the books, if any at all. But we're, that's going to be changing soon. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start bringing in some more named characters. I don't know if Mark talked about book four at all yet. Um, he mentioned it, uh, light references to it, and said that there were going to be some more um, in-game characters that will be making appearances. Um, they said that there were some characters from Dungeon Saga that they were willing to give him that he was basically given free reign to play with as much as he wanted to. Yep. Um, but that's pretty much the extent of uh, of where he went with that because he didn't want to give, obviously, too much away about the books that are coming up. Okay. Well, without giving out any spoilers and talking and stealing his thunder, um, his fourth book will feature a very big named character. Um, so for those who are looking for more uh, character-defining novels with those named characters, there's going to be a big one in his fourth book, so stay tuned for that. I guess also with Infinity, right off the bat, we were told, use these characters. Like, you know, we want to see more of them. And we're like, okay, that's fine. Um, with Kings of War, we weren't necessarily given free reign of that. It was kind of just tell stories within the universe. And with the other games that we've worked in, they've kind of been like, no, no, don't touch these characters. These are our characters. You create new characters. So it, it's it's a tough thing in that regard. I think it's also look at the audience. Um, a lot of people who play Kings of War play, you know, I think there's a lot of fallout from GW and other games that come to play Kings of War because they've got an amazing rule system. Um, from just what I hear at conventions, just what I hear on the show here, it feels like that a lot of the players just want to play a game. Um, they're not necessarily, they don't really want to go a hundred percent in the Kings of War brand name. They just want to play a good game. And this is a good game. Um, it's kind of like you look at the players of a video game who play the game just for the gameplay and they skip the story. I know plenty of people who do it. Um, I am totally judging those kind of people though. Just saying, but um, I know plenty of people who uh, I play Final Fantasy XIV. It's an MMO. It's an online massive multiplayer game. I read the story intensely, and you know I really enjoy what they do with the cutscenes and everything. But I play with a lot of people who just go skip, 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 skip. I'm like, do you guys even know what we're doing right now? Nah, it doesn't matter. I just want to play. I'm like, okay, you're missing out, but all right. And but they enjoy it still. So uh, to each of their own on that regard. Um, I also think it's the way the story is told is a big thing. The things that Mike Carter was the first to comment on, and it's something that I'm very proud of with these Kings of War books, is that he, you know, especially with Steps of Deliverance, he said he could see it being played just like a Kings of War game. You know, the novel read a lot like a Kings of War game, and that's what Mark strives to emulate. You know, we are telling novels within a gaming setting, so we want to pull from what we're writing about. You know, we don't want to tell stories about this or this unit moved up this many spaces and, you know, no dice roll involved in telling a novel. But we want to be able to capture that feeling of this is your universe. This is the universe where you can 
take an army and play against somebody else. And we're going to tell about factions in that universe. So we want you to feel like you can recreate these battles. That's a big, you know, it's the parent company publisher relationship of we are telling stories in your universe. So we want to try to help sell your miniatures. But when we went to infinity, the only negative feedback that we got about um, Mark's novel downfall was they said it was too much of a battle report. You know, he got a lot of positive reviews. It might quite, it might very well be our highest five-starred item on Amazon from all of our Winchester books. Um, but the only serious, I'm going to say serious because there are a lot of trolls in the Infinity community. I will say that's one of the things Kings of War has a huge leg up on is that the Infinity community has a huge smattering of trolls. But besides all that, the only serious feedback we got was that it read too much like a battle report. And I found that interesting because in the Kings of War community, that tends to be a strength rather than a weakness. So Mark and I had talked about it and, you know, we liked the fact that it did that because of everything I just said. So it was just an interesting little tidbit that we took away from. And it'll be interesting to see how the second Infinity novel does because they are... It, uh, Craig Gallant did not write it in the sense of a battle report. It actually doesn't read like a, um, a tabletop game at all. It reads more like a straight-up novel set in this universe. And it's interesting to see where to draw that line of how much do we reference, what do we not reference, what do, do we do we sever ties from all gaming terminology and make it just a straight story. It's it's a teeter-totter that you keep going back on because you don't want to offend the parent company, but you also want to draw in a wider audience, as well as keep the fans of the game happy. Um, it's it's something we work on behind the scenes a lot, which Ben, I'm sure you can attest to. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, with these Kings of War novels, again, like I said, we want to also draw in a bigger audience than just Kings of War players because the game is only so big. So one of the things that Vince and I always talk about is when you have a, when you have a repeat release schedule and you have books that keep coming out, you show people who are on the fence about getting interested or not, that we are a thing that is going to keep going. You know, we have, we have the books, we have the interest, we have the authors, we will keep publishing. And, um, you know, even though COVID has completely destroyed our publishing schedule and our timeline, um, I've still got 12, 13 books in the pipeline that I um, are either written are coming to me or contracted in some way. So, we're still going to be around and we're going to still keep publishing. So it's a, it's a tricky topic of how to find, to draw a wider audience and how to, uh, how to appeal to those people who play Kings of War that haven't read a novel, but like the game. Um, to sum that all up, I do feel like there, while Kings of War, I'd like to say has a smaller player base than Infinity and we're talking you know, huge numbers in both categories, but I do feel like Kings of War has a smaller gamer base. I do feel like the gamers are less interested in the stories as much as they are interested in play of it. And while the people that are interested are a very ravenous bunch, and we have a lot of interest in those people who are interested, I just think it's a smaller number than the people who play the game just to play the game. Because when you look at communities like the... Um, Hanathor Wiki community versus the Kings of War. Um, oh God, what's the uh, fanatics? When you look right. at the community, you see that the Panther Wiki has a smaller community, but they're very dedicated. 
and they ask a lot of big questions and you know the people there are really want to know more about the lore of the universe which is great um when you post uh, when we post updates to the community fanatics uh hits a good stride but not as many when you look at how many members are in there but when you look and you post it in the panther wiki you get a huge number of likes compared to the number of people in the group. So it's, it's an interesting trade-off, but I do have to agree with Mark that I think the Infinity community is definitely more involved in the lore for a number of reasons than the Kings of War community is, which is not bad. Again, it's not to say one community is better than another one. It's not to say there's anything wrong with it. It's just it's an interesting observation. Obviously, I'm I'm invested in that because I'm a writer for the community. I enjoy telling these stories. I want people to read them and all, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I think that's the case with any anybody that produces any kind of stories. I mean, we have you, you talk about the smaller community with the Panathor Wiki. There's also a group um, that's uh, Ronnie the Bard of Mantica that runs a quarterly um, uh, writing contest, short story contest that I mm-hmm. you guys are directly associated with, right? Um, and I am every quarter, there has been at least three stories that are submitted that are written out completely fully. They're fully encapsulated stories. Um, and so every three months these are coming in and it is like clockwork. It it seems like there's always, uh, stories being submitted, people getting into it. Another fun thing that we always do, um, that I know that you've encouraged and you're always getting people in contact with me and, and I assume with the other authors as well is uh, having cameos from player characters in the story. And these are actual characters from the community that, that players have created to like their generals or their hero or this random unit that survives every battle that they're in or something like that, something uncanny or anything like that, that they've captured that um, really gets the uh, imagination of the, of the community going. Um, and so kudos to Wingasar. I always say this, but you guys are one of the most involved um, companies that I've ever seen in the IPs that you're dedicated to and interacting with the fans and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would, I would encourage anybody that's interested in having any kind of say in the lore, get in touch with the people that are that are involved with it and just you never know i mean you you never know when your pitch might be the next big thing that takes off in in panathor or kings of war or anything like that that might get that uh that that fluff bug started with with the player base in a little bit bigger or more grandiose scale definitely and i appreciate the kind words um you know we're we're very involved with making sure the community gets what they want to see um, but one of the things I've talked about it before, and you know, I I don't I think people underestimate just how how large of a scale it is in publishing and what goes on. Um, you know, Ben, and being one of our authors, you kind of get a little bit more of a look behind the screen. But the Winchester Publishing is not a large corporation. There's not a lot of people who are involved in this company, and so we 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 work ourselves around the clock in addition to our full time jobs because this is not our full time jobs to make sure that we can deliver the best product possible. And with it's interesting because in regards to, you brought up Ronnie the Mantica Bard, and I, that's something I'd love to delve more into because I'd love to see more of those short stories, but I just, I don't have time with everything that I have going on. So Vince, I know, handles is handling all on that aspect, but there are definitely writers in the community that I would love to get to know a little bit more and see more of their work. Um, I know Brian Novak, um, he's on... 
Dead Zone the podcast. I've been on his show a few times. He's I didn't uh, I didn't realize how involved he was with writing until I saw he was entering in that contest. Of, like once I like started actually seeing it, I saw his name pop up, and I'm like, oh, I know him. We you know we've talked, we've met at cons and everything, and I, I've mentioned the Brian form. You want to do a novel, you know, let me know. We can talk about something. So I definitely would love to hear from more people in the community who'd like to write. I'd definitely love to set something up. There you go. There's the call to arms, everybody. I, I'll always share my story of legitimately we were we were doing basically a that's where Drowned Secrets came from. It was a short story I was writing for a fan affiliated publication that we were doing for Kings of War because there weren't any novels yet. And I just thought, ah, and a whim, I we just heard about um, the novels from wing to Sar, And I just was like, well, I'll send Brandon an email and just say, Hey, here's an idea. I thought, and that look where that got me. So mm-hmm. it, it legitimately is one of those. If, if you're interested, even, I mean, the worst, worst that will be said is this needs some work before we're, we're ready to take another look at it. Right. Um, and that, I think that, I've said that, it. Oh, go I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead. I think I've said it before on, I'm not 100% sure if I've, if I've mentioned the story of how Mark and I met, but he was one of one of like 70 short story applicants that I got in our Beyond the Gates of Antares first anthology. And after weeding through all the, the applications, he was one of the ones I picked. And, you know, we worked on a short story, left it at that. And then I went through the list again and I, I approached all the winners and asked some, you know, about writing stories writing full-length novels and mark was one of the few that i you know and we ended up hitting it off from there and that now he's written in every one of our series just about off of just you know again i like to take chances on people and i took a chance with him and you know he's written now three kings no i'm sorry four kings of war novels when you count pious he's written an infinity novel he's written a gates of antares novel he has a standalone novel he's done a lot in just short time just from taking a chance, but he said he almost didn't submit a story, I'm pretty sure. He just happened to submit one on whim, and <laughs> look at how it happened. So, never be afraid to reach out if you've got an idea. I'm always happy to talk to people. Um, super, super personal people. They're, Brandon and Vince are really great guys to work with. Alright, well, oh, is there something else you wanted to say? Just thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, in other news, uh, there's two more things that I've got. Um, I don't know, uh, Rob, have you got any questions for anything in all of this or anything that's come up that you wanted to ask? I think you've covered it pretty well. And I'm, uh, I'm just eager to see how, you know, the novels just keep coming out, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see people in the community that develop and become actual writers. And, uh, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. So uh, we've got some, we got some names of the community that's still got novels coming out. Um, just off the top of my head, we got Danny Graves, uh, Riley Nadeau, Mike McCready. All three of them have novels coming out. That's awesome. That's yeah. super fantastic. It, it's really great. And in regards to books that have come out, we still need to talk about Rise of the Celestians. I'm pretty sure we need to get uh, Clint on for that one, though, to go into a little bit more in-depth onto that story because there's a lot to unpack with that novel. In fact, I think it's probably the most lore-dense book that has been published for Kings of War to date so far. And it is much more reminiscent of the old Black Library books that were unpacking all of the old lore for Warhammer or 40K or whichever game that they were. And so 
if, if that's more your style, if that's the things that you grew up or you cut your teeth on or whatever, when back in the day, and that's what makes you nostalgic, take a look at rise of the Celestians because it, it, it's the painted backdrop of Panathor. So it's a good, it's a good place to go. If you're really wanting to know more about where this world came from and all that. Yeah, I know I hyped it up on a on a lot of shows in the past. I know Mark Zelinsky was super excited about it because it tied in with some ideas he had. Um, but it, it is very heavy. It is very dense, and it, it does take a lot of dissecting. And it does set up everything, though, about how Kings of War came to be. And it's it's neat. It's very interesting to see, you know, the names of characters and name drop over time, and you know how. One of, the, one of the interesting things I actually do want to bring up that was brought up, um, I think on Facebook, was somebody had commented that uh, Valinor looked, Valinor or Valador, I think it's Valador, looked very... Oh, I was going to say it's Valinor. Valinor. Okay. He yep. looked very different in the Dungeon Saga miniature versus the art for the cover art because he looks like a wizard on the cover art and he doesn't, he looks like, I think he looks like big and muscular in the Dungeon Saga miniature. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. That one I'm not sure of. I'm not as familiar with Dungeon Saga as I am with I, the rest of the world. <laughs> I know somebody had brought it up on Facebook about it being very bizarre how different he looked. And the interesting point that Matt, I think it was Matt that brought it up, Matt Gilbert, clarified that this novel takes place before any of that. And the Celestians can change physically over time. And it's interesting how each one of them who kind of shepherds a different race morphs to kind of look more like that race that they're taking care of. So the cover art for that, for Rise of Celestians, was actually, does, uh, it was commissioned by Nantic. So the art for that novel is canonically how those characters look. Uh, Mescator, Oskin, uh, Valinor, and... Um, uh, I forget who else yeah, is on the um, It's... Um, oh, God. It's the um, Chiron, isn't it? Yes. I think so. Hold on, let me look at the picture. Because Chiron's one of the main characters of the story. Yep, yep, yep. and Liliana. That's who the other one is. Yep, that's right, and Liliana. So those are canonically how they look in the novel and during that time period. Um, And then the, you know, it's just interesting how they they, they set this up to expand on all the races. And not all the races are are hit on in this first of the trilogy, but all the ones that are, are, you know, the big ones. So like the humans and the elves and, you know, how the force of Galahir came to be and uh, the dragons and and the dwarves. And it's, it's really, if you like to know the history of things, this is a really cool book. And if you have any desire to make a hero character of any sort or learn about the heroes that are named, if you want to expand upon the already existing Panathor wiki, this is a really good source for that yes I, I i will say that i will give my favorite part of it so far and we can go over it more in depth when we do the actual deep dive in the book but the way that it describes um why corgan hates dragons which is a bit of lore and fluff from the Varanger, um it it's it now makes sense before i was like that just seems like a weird way to weird reason for them not to have dragons in their army but okay <laughs> now now I'm like, oh, now there's an actual lore reason why that that makes sense now. And it was actually a really cool kind of light bulb moment as I was reading through the story. 
Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like really nuanced details that you know might just be throwaway points to something big that you know over in the rules or you see it and then it's just like oh okay that's what that's referencing you know this is this has kind of been the love child idea for matt gilbert you know he's been planning all, he, he is the head story master of kings of war and he's got all this ideas of how the universe exists and this has been his you know with using clint as his muse this has been the big telling of all of that that he's had in his head for years so this is this is straight from the horse's mouth which is awesome. And again, there, that speaks to the connection that the, the game company HQ has with the, with the publishing company and with the community in general. It, it's, it's a good match, it feels like. Um, I know, speaking of this, I know um, I've spoken with Matt and actually he's emailed me back about uh, recently about an email that for some other projects that are coming up that'll, that are kind of fun. But, um, with we've, we've sadly we're losing Rob Berman and, um, I know he's been also at least passively involved with the fluff. And I know Matt's been on these conversations that we've had with, uh, the lore and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you've got Dave, I'm going to butcher his last name. I'm going to say it's Simon's. Or Simmons. Simmons. Yeah. Simmons, uh, that's it. It's got yeah. <laughs> Dave, Dave Simmons has um has definitely chipped in, especially with um certain races. Um, but with uh but Rob is one of the authors for a novel that's coming up. Is this going to be his only foray, or is he going to be having other potential future projects that might have a cameo by a crazy traveling merchant with a ridiculous mustache maybe <laughs> well i hear that a certain crazy mustache man is being fumigated out of mantic hq so i mean he'll need a new home but rob uh, i've spoken to him um we're still on schedule for ascent of the goblin king when i get to that and um he's open to more projects so it's just going to depend on his new schedule where things fall, but you know, we'll be in touch and we hope to have Rob on with more things. Uh, you know, I hope his reputation for goblins and love of goblins will help to really um, sell that novel. And then if people want more, you know, we, we, we know how to hook him up. We can get in some more uh, goblin novels done, or even if not goblins, anything else, if you like Rob's writing style, when we publish his novel, you know, let us know. We can definitely uh, ask him about some more things he might be interested in. Yeah, there's always more goblins. Yep. Well, cool. All right. Well, so what's coming up next? We've talked about um, Mark's two novels. Um, again, Faith Aligned and Hero Following. Look for them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Wingdasar Publishing. You can go straight to there and buy it from them. Um, we've also talked a little bit about Rise of the Celestians that's come out. So what's what's coming up next in the queue? What projects are we looking forward to in the coming months, maybe year or so for Panathor. I'm not going to quote any dates right now because again, it's always changing. And I feel like I go on counter charge and I say, Oh, it's coming out this date. And that date comes and goes. Thank you, COVID. Thank you. Changing publishing industry. So I'm just going to say the authors and the books that are coming out. We have Ascent to the Goblin King from Rob. We just talked about that's going to be my next project. Once I'm done with my current infinity novel I'm working on, then we've got yourself 
Pride of a King. That's coming out soonish. That's going to be my next uh, uh, work after Ascent of the Goblin King. So we've got some. We got a double King back to back release coming out, which I, I'm really excited for. I'm excited for all of them. I'm, I'm easily excited. This whole industry in general is exciting to work with. But it's just like when we work on these novels and hearing the details and hearing how it fleshes out, you go, oh, somebody's going to love this. You know, I love this idea. This is so cool. And, we, you know, the things that we've talked about for your novel are very cool. And I think we can say without giving too much away is uh, the initial premise. And I think we've even talked about this. I'm not 100% sure. But the initial premise that they we were kind of pitched this on was they they kind of wanted to Mantic wanted to see a spy novel right isn't that the initial like thing that we went with spy novel slash murder mystery almost kind of thing yes that's it so just think of dwarves and that and you know you've got enough to hold you over for the time being i, I, I don't know ben is your novel so you can talk about it if you want i don't know how much we've given away and how much we're allowed to say at this point, there. Just to add to that, um, you were talking earlier about it about how we haven't had too many named characters. That is about to change quite a bit, especially with the dwarves. So there will be a lot of named characters involved with that one. Yeah. So the dwarves are definitely going to get some love because we've got Ben's, and then we've got uh, Mike Rossi's. Uh, Mike Rossi's is Honors Price. Oh, and also, I'd just like to throw out there that Mantic have generously agreed to help us come up with original cover art for all the novels moving forward. So we've got some beautiful new art for Ben's and some beautiful new art well, for all of them. But I've seen the finished product on both Ben and Mike's and I'm really excited with how those look. Yeah. I'm, I was very happy with how mine, with the way that it turned out with mine. So that's another topic we'll have to talk about on another show, Ben, but the, yeah. you kind of got asked, like, what do you want to see? And so it was really nice that they kind of like, gave us free roam to think about what kind of ideas we wanted to explore on a cover art, which is, it's nice. Cause it, you know, internal art only lasts, you can only find so much internal art that hasn't been used. I mean, mm-hmm. we use the Basilean art, but it's been used to death in so many things. And we now have two, um, we've got an original art for, uh, faith aligned, but hero falling uses dungeon saga art because those two characters are, characters in the novel so we're getting we were that was the start of new art for that then after that we've got uh claws on the plan by james dunbar and battle of dawn keep from tom holtby which were some of the originally first announced novels but again we had to push them back because of timing of things releases of things wanting to tie in properly with things and wanting to push more what mantic wanted to see first so those novels got pushed back but they are coming up on release again soon then after that we've got the second novel in the celestian trilogy which is fall of the celestians kelisor sorrow if you're at all familiar with the kings of war lore you can kind of get a good idea of where we're going with that um, we're going to see two very, very like big Kings of War timeline events happen in that novel. So definitely make sure you've read the first one before next year sometime. Um, then we've got Rage and Grace by Danny Graves, which is a highly, highly anticipated novel. I've had a lot of, you know, not to say they're not all winners. Everybody has done a fantastic job with their books, but Danny's, kind of made the circuit with some big people in Mantic and they have said, is there any way you can push Danny's novel up? Because it's amazing. And I, I, 
I would love to push it higher, but we've got, I don't want to keep James and Tom waiting any longer than they patiently have been waiting. So I've pushed Danny's as high as I possibly can without interfering with some other authors works, but it's about elves and night stalkers and people who have read it have said it's really, really good. So I have not gotten a chance to read it, but I'm excited to hear what it's going to be like. Then after that, we've got some things in the backlog are Frozen Rage by Gordon Jones. We've got Tom Fern's two books, which are Cost of Power and Mask. Those are later in, um, in the timeline. We've got In the Wake of the Leviathan by A1 Ben Stoddard, which will be out at some point. We've got two, well, we've got the two sequels to Ben's dwarf books. Um, we've got Mark's fourth book on the Basilians. Uh, then some point, probably closer to 2025, which is crazy to think we're thinking this far, but we've got War of the Celestians, Abyssal Legacy by Clint. So that's going to be the, the end of that trilogy. Uh, Kindred Adrift by Riley Nadeau. Bastion by Mike McCready. And that's all we've got planned out currently for Kings of War. We've got some Dreadball, Warpath, Dead Zone novels that we've got planned, but, you know, Kings of War is kind of our... our main focus right now we do the closest one in that genre is robert waters who is who did our first dreadball novel that was very well received the last hurrah is going to be publishing a novel called the final rush which will be the sequel to that i'm excited to start working on that and that's going to be falling somewhere in the next few kings of war books i have to take some time to look at that but yeah we've got a very full schedule and that's that's just mantic that's just my mantic stuff so yeah, as we've covered before, you're a very, very busy individual with lots, lots on your plate. So we get it. That is uh, that is definitely a it's a money. It's a Herculean task that you're you're undertaking. And the amount of stuff that you just listed off, I don't envy you because um, that's a lot of work. I mean, it's and, also really cool. But and I've got a sun due, a second sun due in November. So that's I right. I don't know how I haven't pulled my hair out yet, but, you know, it. I've still got a nice lush head of hair for the time being. Oh, well, just go ahead and shave it. It's better that way anyway. It's much less maintenance, I can promise you. <laughs> well, cool. Um, well, okay. Well, in that case, let's go ahead and take a quick break and then come back on the other side. We'll do shout outs and wrap it up. Hey, this is Luke from Luke's APS listening to Countercharge. I'm Andy2D6, the Orange Legend, and you're listening to Countercharge. Get ready to charge those counters. And we're back. All right. Well, um, so that's everything. That's Wing Kassar and um, Mark Barber for the foreseeable future. If you have any questions, we've already said, go ahead and reach out to to anyone on the podcast or Brandon himself. Um, I'm, he's always very quick to respond to any questions you might have, um, either usually through Facebook or through any of the, the well, the Wiki of Panathor or panathor lore um facebook page is always a good way to get a hold of him or pretty much any of the authors as well so yeah so let's go ahead and do shout outs we'll start with uh with you brandon oh i I was gonna say catch me at the next uh show but i don't even know when that's gonna be i probably if i am not having a second son by that point i might be in falling in um Pennsylvania. If I'm not there, you can catch Vince there. That'll be our next one. Regrettably, I don't think we're going to be at Adepticon next year because this one was kind of a bust. 2022 Adepticon was really a bust. 
we sold we sold a lot of stuff, but it just wasn't it wasn't like previous years. So we're gonna try to expand our reach a little bit and go to some other shows and see if we can lure in some other helpless souls to buy some books. Um, but yeah, definitely feel free to reach me out at uh, on Facebook. Send me a message on Facebook Messenger. I'm in all the major Kings of War groups that I possibly can be. So definitely sh- feel free to say hi. Let me know if you're interested in writing novels, any questions you have. And more, always happy to talk. And definitely check out Marvel United if you haven't yet. Hobby related, because again, those miniatures are staring at me. I have about 300 or so just staring at me in the wall asking why I haven't painted them. So thank you for having me on the show, guys. It's always a fun time. We're good. We're always glad to have you. Uh, Rob, do you have any shout outs that you want to do? Yeah. I mean, just big shout out to Rob Berman. Uh, he, he's really since coming on board to Mantic, he's really made a significant effort to just, I don't know, ma- making the community communication, the marketing, just, he just, he gave it a, I don't know, a, prof- a prof- professionalism, I guess is the best word. And, you know, we're really going to miss him and uh, best of luck to him and his future endeavors. And who knows, you know, may- maybe, maybe when he, when he does finally grow up, maybe he'll come back and uh, play toy shoulders, toy shoulders with us again. So uh, definitely. Yeah, but, yeah. Thanks to, thanks to, to Rob and all of his effort. Cause uh, he's uh, made a big impact. I know on me and the rest of the community. So definitely an amazing guy. I cannot say enough, again, I cannot say enough good about the Mantic HQ from Ronnie to Matt and Rob is one of those people who was always there to answer any of our questions we ever needed and great communication. Uh, cannot say enough good about the man. Yeah. I'll, I'll second that. It's always been fun seeing him come on. He's definitely got a, a personality that does well with, especially with marketing and all that kind of stuff. And he's very present. He's always been very present and very active um, and pretty much everything Mantic's done. So he's, he's been a good face for him. Cool. Um, as for me, um, I just want to say um, um, a shout out to Wing Tassar for, again, keeping us in novels, keeping us in lore, giving uh, us an opportunity to learn more about the world and, and for just just doing their thing. A, sh- a shout out to Mark Barber and all the other authors. And then a request, again, that I always give whenever we talk about books. But if you have read or even if it's just, you know, a part of the book or whatever, and you liked what you read, please go and leave a review on Amazon um, and and Goodreads and Barnes & Noble or wherever it is that you keep a log of your books. And if you haven't started keeping a log, then wherever you think a good shout into the into the echo chamber might be or wherever, please go leave a review. Uh, that's how we get more eyes on the on the game, on the stories. Um, it's how the, the great, it, it is a, an avenue that the game can grow through. Please, please. Even if it's just a one sentence review of, I, I, I really liked it and here's some stars, right? doesn't matter. The more reviews, the more Amazon will promote it or Barnes and Noble will promote it and more people get to see it. So please, please you just take a two or three minutes to do that really fast. All right, then. I think that that does us for this show. This is going to be a pretty good, sizable episode for those out there that are looking for more information on the lore of Panathor. I know I've enjoyed it. It's been very fun to to talk to both Brandon and Mark. I want to thank them both for coming on uh, and Rob for stepping in for when Jeremy had to bow out. So thank you all for for doing this. And uh, I guess until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. 
and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.